Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online and welcome to three weeks before Easter. Holy cow, this year is moving quick. And also, man, I'm so excited to introduce a new series that we're kicking off today called The Art of Neighboring. But before we get into it, I want to celebrate with you. Last week, City Church turned two years old, and it was an awesome day. We got to celebrate a lot, and we had two baptisms, and I want to share their stories with you. So lean in and check these stories out. Hi, my name is Kelsey, and I'm excited to continue my journey with Jesus today by getting baptized. I'm thankful that my parents raised me in the church and showed me the love of Jesus throughout my life. Um, I've always attended church, but I've never really pursued a relationship with Jesus. Before I met Jesus, my life was full of anxiety um, and hopelessness. Uh, I had a lot of uncertainty. I began to put my success and self-worth in becoming a medical doctor. I constantly rated myself on my grades. Um, I was convinced that becoming a doctor would give me a status of being untouchable and in high society, and that's what would, my happiness would stem from. About two years ago, I finally accepted Jesus in my life fully um, and realized that this way of life that I had before wasn't really sustainable. I stopped struggling in my classes and my mental health got a lot better once I began to pursue that relationship with Jesus and put my trust in Him. I finally realized that an A or a D wasn't going to matter to Jesus. That wasn't going to be whether He loved me or not. And I finally found a church where I could form relationships with fellow Christian girls that were my age and also going through the same journey that I was going through. And I realized that my true happiness in life isn't going to be being a medical doctor, and that's not what's going to make my heart full. Um, and Jesus is really going to make my heart full um, and leave me, lead me into a life of success um, and fulfillment. And I know that Jesus is with me no matter what, and he has a plan for me, whether that's something else other than med school, and I'm finally able to let that go. My name is Seth Wygant, and I'm proud to declare I've given my life to Jesus. I was raised in a Christian home with parents that showed me what life with Jesus looked like, and I'm glad that they planted that seed in my heart. Uh, it sat there for a long time, and I didn't pursue the Lord when He was pursuing me, and I felt hopelessness, and I ran from Him rather than to Him when things got hard and it wasn't until I was in high school that I decided to pursue Jesus fully and give my life to Him and since then I have felt Him working in my life and increasing my desire to want to know Him and, and follow Him and I'm so grateful for that. I'm excited to be baptized today and I hope that uh, 
I can plant a seed in others' hearts of what life with Jesus looks like. All right, let's put our hands together, man. I'm so grateful for those stories and all that God is doing in and through City Church. Grateful for you and that we get to do this every week. Today, as we kick off this new series, The Art of Neighboring, it kind of was birthed out of this book that I read right before Danielle and I moved to Boulder. It was called The Art of Neighboring by my buddy Dave Runyon and his friend Jay Pathick. And this was born about a decade ago around a conversation with the mayor of Denver. And in addition to this resource kind of influencing uh, um, the series that we're going to be in over the next three weeks, there's another book called... Uh, the Gospel Comes with a House Key. And if you're a book nerd like me and you like to dig into different resources, then I recommend uh, this book by Rosaria Butterfield. It's a really, really challenging book around the same set of dialogue and conversation. And so both of these have been heavy influencers in the next three weeks that we're talking about. But going back to the art of neighboring, uh, Dave and Jay sat down with the mayor and other city officials and they're having a conversation just about, like, like what does our city need? And, and, and how, how can we help as, as faith communities come, come alongside you and you know, address the need? And as they started to meet and talk, a lot of the issues, uh, you know, came up that you probably would, you know, uh, expect to come up. And it was like homelessness and, you know, at-risk youth and, and crime and, you know, uh, after-school programs for, like, uh, kids in need or, like, foster care issues or, you know, a host of other things. I mean, there's all kinds of things that they talked about. But as they started to talk about all the different issues in the city and ways to just uh, be, be able to help and address those needs, some of the uh, local officials, that began to express their frustration, like, man, programs just don't seem to fix the problem. Uh, they, they started talking about how, you know, you get a, a bunch of money together with like a government program and you, and you try to address an issue and it works as long as the money lasts. But then when the money runs out and the program fails, then those issues aren't, aren't long-term fixed. It was just like a momentary band-aid in the moment. And so they started to have these conversations that honestly, man, when it comes to looking at our cities, like no matter where you live, this is so helpful for me. When it comes to Looking at our cities, the best way to care for people and the best way to begin to address some of the issues that we see as a whole in our community is not through programs, but through relationships. That, that through relationships and through people caring for the people closest to them, we would see these things move forward. And, and he, here's what's, what's honestly amazing is that the, the mayor looked at Jay and looked at Dave and, and, and he said, you know, the, the smartest thing that you could do as faith leaders, as pastors in our community, is to start like a neighboring movement. Like if you could start a neighboring movement, that might, to start, that might start to fix a lot of the issues that we see in our community that, that maybe a program can't fix. And, and then Jay and, and, and uh, Dave, they were like just kind of gut checked because like essentially the mayor looked at these two pastors and said, you know, like if you could just, I don't know, take Jesus seriously at his words, like like you know that whole love your neighbor thing? Like if you guys could do that, that could probably really change some stuff, right? And, and again, I, I don't think that the mayor said it in a, in a malicious way. I think it was just like part of the dialogue. But it like really resonated with Jay and Dave to the point to where it led them to write this book. And it's an incredible resource that I highly recommend you pick up. But man, like, like one of the challenges that they were talking about when it comes to even neighboring, and this was another gut check, was like some of the, some of the people said that, you know, we don't see a huge difference, at least not that we can tell uh, um, from where we're standing, of the difference between like a, a Christian and a non-Christian neighbor. We don't, we don't really see like that there's any difference in the way that they love and serve one another, right? Which was just like a, 
oh, like that probably shouldn't be that way, right? There probably should be a significant difference. And so fast forward a decade, and uh, Danielle and I moved to Boulder in, in November of 2016 to, to not just start a church, but, but with a call from God to very specifically reach a city. And we started studying Boulder specifically and like, all right, God, what are you doing here? What's going on in our city? 110,000 people. What are like the greatest areas of need? Sa- similar questions to what they were asking about Denver. We were asking about Boulder. And some of the things that started to come up in that process was there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress in our culture around the idea of like, like the future. Specifically, like, like, you know, we have a very young, like, median age, 28, uh, um, young professional environment here. And also we have the university, like 30,000 uh, people represent, you know, in the, in the university. So, I mean, when it comes to, like, the dynamic of Boulder, we have a younger population. And so, specifically, there was this big stressor around the future. And specifically, like, relationships and, like, career. Like, where am I going and who's going with me, right? That was a pretty big one, which makes sense when you're in in the younger years of your life. And then in addition to that, one of the top issues, one of the top struggles, one of the top identifiers of need in our community here in Boulder, Colorado, was this issue of loneliness. Loneliness. And it makes sense as we started to study it because one out of ten people that you meet in Boulder moved here in the last year. We have an incredibly transient community. And so lots of amazing things to do in Boulder, but because of the newness of, of constantly moving, uh, man, the relationships are hard to come by. And, and so much so that when Danielle and I first moved here, like we, we met one lady in our apartment complex, and she'd lived there for a little over a year, and she had not met a single person in our entire 300-unit apartment complex. They hadn't met one person. And we're like, you haven't met one like, I mean, you got, I mean, it's, it's just so hard to imagine. And, and so we started looking into that. And then, and then fast forward a little bit more, put us a year into a pandemic where we currently are, take all of the issues that we saw in our current uh, uh, community, and then just like blow them up because COVID just wrecked stuff, right? And so now we have mental health issues that are skyrocketing. We have isolation issues. We have loneliness. We have depression. All these things are happening. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine with me in light of all of the needs in our community, specifically the relational needs. I want you to imagine with me a church that took Jesus seriously at the words that I'm about to read to you. Imagine with me a a growing, multiplying church that's also a part of a bigger collection of churches here in our community, partnering together under the banner of following Jesus and specifically selling out to these two commands from Jesus in Matthew 22. Let me show you this. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus is having a conversation about, but like if you're going to boil what... Following Jesus, like if you're going to boil it down, like what is the simplest forms? Like, well, what is it? Jesus said, it's to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first command. And the second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, on these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. He said, everything can be boiled down to these two realities, to love God and people. And before you, you get like too far into this conversation, I just need you to hear me, that when Jesus invites us to love God, it's not like a manufactured, try hard, get some gold stars, be a good person, like, like try to love God. It's actually a response to the love of God, that we love God because he first loved us and he proved his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us in our place for our sins. He was buried, rose again to save us, set us free and make us right with God. I mean, it's an amazing invitation of God initiating with love what we could never earn or deserve. And then the overflow, the response is that it's easy to love him back. 
that we turn our lives over to him. We love him because he first loved us. And then the overflow of our relationship with God is that we love people. We love what God loves. This is the invitation to, to follow Jesus. And I, I, just, I just want you to imagine with me a church taking the words of Jesus here seriously. And over the last four weeks, I've been introducing this concept. And you didn't know it, but I've been kind of walking you through what we call the 5% life here at City Church. And the 5% life, it speaks to 5% of your time. And this is how we measure success at City Church. So if you missed like the last couple of weeks, you can go back to the Love First series and go catch those. But we've been intentionally walking you through the 5% life. And this is 5% of your time invested into four different areas. And I want you to think about this as like the, the starting line, not the finish line. And so here's the deal. If we're going to take Jesus seriously at his words to love God and people, this is how you do it. This is how he measures success at City Church. Are people doing these things? Are they cultivating a relationship with God and getting together? So let me just walk you through it, okay? Getting alone is the first part. This is 1% of your day. This is 15 minutes. I'm just going to fly through them, okay? This is time spent daily alone in your relationship with God and made available through Jesus. We said it from over and over again. We spent weeks on this that today we're going to talk about the last part of the 5% life, this getting out and loving our neighbor. That's so important. But if we miss this, we miss everything. Because you and I can't give what we don't have. We can't love in a supernatural way without being connected to a supernatural God. We don't have the love that Jesus is talking about in and of ourselves. And so if you and I don't prioritize and cultivate our relationship with God, we can't do any of the other stuff well. We're going to continue to fail at those things. And so this is the first and most important, is getting alone. Again, 15 minutes is a starting place, not a finish line. It's not like you can only ever spend 15 minutes with God a day, right? This is like a starting place, because if you're like me, it takes you 15 minutes to focus on anything, right? So we're starting here, getting alone. The second thing is getting together. This is 1% of your week. This is time spent weekly gathering in worship with my church. This is larger community getting together about an hour and a half of my week, 1% of my week. Now check it out. It goes on to get close. It's not enough just to get together on the weekend, shoulder to shoulder, and look at what God is doing collectively, but it's also important to get face to face. We say it often that circles are better than rows. This is 1% of your week, 1.5 hours of your week, time spent consistently in community with a small group or a city group from our church. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where accountability and 3 a.m. friends come in. I mean, this is where life is happening. And the last part of the 5% life is getting out. Getting out. That's what the next three weeks are about. And this is time spent weekly living on mission where I live, work, and play. This is 2% of your week. This is roughly three hours of your week. And some of you are freaking out because you're like, holy moly, I do not have an extra three hours to give to anything. I could use three hours of sleep is what I need. Now listen, we're not asking you to find three hours and fill it with stuff. We're saying you already have three hours somewhere where you live, work, and play, and we're asking you to use those on purpose, with purpose, to get out, to, to live on mission where you live, work, and play. Does that make sense? So we're just going to empower you over the next three weeks to give you tools to do that. So I, I just need to remind you, okay, as we're talking about the 5% life, this is how we measure success. This is a starting line, not a finish line, but we exist as a church. If you're a follower of Jesus and you call City Church your home, we exist to help people find their way to God from where they are. What that means is we don't wait for them to come to us, but we are the church. We exist for the world, and we're going to go to them. This is the DNA and the heartbeat of who we are as Jesus followers. And so in order to really help us process through this next conversation, I, I want to define what it means means to love our neighbors. Because I think if we're not careful, we'll try to do that. Um, and, and we can come up with all kinds of crazy definitions. But let's ask Jesus what he meant by 
loving our neighbors. Now, that might, might get us to it, the place we want to be, okay? So let me show you in Luke 10, because Jesus actually answers this very question. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is having a conversation with a lawyer. The lawyer stands up to put Jesus to the test. He's not trying to have a helpful dialogue. He's trying to trip Jesus up. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what, what, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Jesus asked him to define this. And, and so the man answers. He says, well, you should, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Does this sound familiar to you? And then love your neighbor as yourself. Huh. And look what Jesus says. Way to go, man. Thumbs up. Jesus responds in verse 26. He says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the man desiring to justify himself, man, this is where our hearts get tricky, right? We have these hearts that love to, like, do gymnastics tricks around what it means to love our neighbors, right? We're just looking for loopholes. And we don't always do this intentionally, but this man is looking to justify himself. He, he said to Jesus, well, who, who's my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to, to tell a story uh, um, probably that you've, you've heard before called the Good Samaritan. Uh, um, and, and he takes the, the definition of neighbor and he stretches it. Jesus takes this moment to, to push this man outside of his comfort zone and say, hey, listen, listen, it's easy to love the people that, that love you. It's easy to love the people that are easy to love. But Jesus stretches the definition to neighbor all the way out to this man's enemies, the people that he despises. And Jesus stretches it to say that, listen, your neighbor is anyone in need, anyone you come eyeball to eyeball with, including your enemy. I'd like to propose that as Jesus shares that story, that like we're not exempt from that by any means, right? But I want you to think about it as like graduate level neighboring, okay? To like love your enemy, to find someone in need and love them in that space. I mean, sacrificial, hard love. That, that's like graduate level neighboring, which is awesome. But just for what it's worth, just because Jesus stretches it all the way there doesn't mean it exempts us from like, you know, kindergarten level neighboring, right? Like, like in kindergarten, what is that? Like, that's probably loving your literal neighbors, like you're for real, live, next to you, across from you, behind you neighbors. Here's the challenge. If you and I look at this story and we, and we only like look at it metaphorically, if, if, we, if we like say, oh, cool, I'm, I'm a good neighbor, and we just talk about neighboring as something that we do in like our disposition of how we carry ourselves, you know, I, I, lay, I neighbor wherever where I am, and I neighbor at work. That's great. That's great, right? But the, but the problem is if, if we're a neighbor to everyone, th then we might be a neighbor to no one. <laughs> Right? Like, like, think about it. Like, if we only live in the metaphor, then we might be missing our actual neighbors. So let me give you a pop quiz. Ready? Grab a piece of paper. I'm going to show you this map here. This is called a block map. I know you're scrambling to get a piece of paper right on your arm or whatever you got to do, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to just make a little tic-tac-toe board, just like that, okay? You don't have to get fancy with the spices and, like, you know, write in little houses and stuff like that. Just tic-tac-toe board, okay? A couple of lines. And then right in the middle, write your address. Write your address. That's where you are. And then right now, I just want you to take just a few seconds and go around the eight closest neighbors to you. No matter where you live, right? I mean, you're in an apartment or in, you know, condos. Or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The eight closest neighbors to you, I just want you to write their names in every single one of those blocks. And if they got a family, then try to get their kids. That's awesome. Like, eight closest neighbors. Unless you got to be specific, okay? Don't cheat. You can't be like, you know, this is weird cat lady and, uh, you know, this is old grumpy dude and, uh, uh, you know, this is, you know, you, you, you can't fill in the gaps with, like, your descriptors, okay? What's their actual name? Take a second, fill in all eight of your closest neighbors, okay? Don't get weird about it. Just, like, your eight closest in proximity 
neighbors. Do it now. And as you're doing this, I want you to think about it, okay? So, so in the, like, the realm of leadership, you're constantly talking about raising the bar, right? It's about just taking people to the next level. There's a whole dialogue around leadership. Well, I want you to hear this series is like instead of raising the bar, we are, we, our goal is to like lower it as low as we can get it to where you and I can't get underneath it, okay? Like this is as bottom shelf as it gets. You guys can't, we, we can't get underneath it or around it. That, that maybe, listen, maybe loving someone and maybe taking Jesus literally starts with our real literal neighbors, and so we're just starting with where you live. Not, listen, where you work and play matters too. We're going to talk about that later. But for today, just where you live. Maybe loving someone means knowing and retaining their name. But there's a huge difference, think about it, between hey, hey, bro, and, and hey, Bob, <laughs> right? Like, think, I don't know what you're filling the gap is when you don't, you know, you can't remember somebody's name. You're like, ah, you, hey, you, hey, Looking good, you guy, person, right? I don't know what your fill-in is or like if you send someone else to go get their name or whatever you got to do, but remembering someone's name shows that you care. And one of the ways that we say it here at City Church is we're, we're, we are relationally invested. What that means is it's, it's hard to meet someone's needs when I don't know their names. That's what we're talking about today. And so if, if you're like most people, as you start to do this, um, um, you can fill in one, maybe two of these. And, and, and it's not meant to be a discouragement to you. It's just meant to hopefully shed some light on the reality that, that maybe God puts you where you are on purpose and for a purpose. That there's eight people in your circle of influence where you live that you can love and serve and invest in. That maybe to take Jesus literally starts with your literal neighbors. And here's the reality. Listen, so, some of your neighbors, right, they're busy. So maybe you're really good at this and you're awesome at loving your name. That's way to, way to go you. Awesome. And, and they're just busy and they're hard to get a hold of. That happens. That's okay. Um, but it doesn't mean we're not going to try, right? Or, or some of you, man, look, let's just be honest. Some of your neighbors don't like you. Um, and if they don't like you because you're a mean neighbor, then you need to change how you neighbor. But if they don't like you because, you know, whatever, they don't like you, or if they don't like me, you know, honestly, we're just talking about me for a second, okay? Sometimes I'm a little much for my neighbors, right? They're like, that guy is just... He's a seven on the Enneagram at times, and he's just too much, right? He's too excited, and he wants to talk all the time. And I just, right? Some of my neighbors don't want to hang out. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. But here's the reality. Listen, no matter, no matter where you're, you're kind of leaning into this conversation, there are some people, some of your neighbors who are dying for real relationships, and God puts you there on purpose with a purpose to love and serve and engage. And so... Before you start freaking out, because some of you are like, oh my goodness, you're introverts, and you're like, I, I, I am not ready for this. I, I, I just need you to know, man, you, like it's, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. You're not door knocking and being super weird about stuff. This is just a very simple conversation about relational equity. That when Danielle and I first moved here, this is what we've done since we've been to Boulder. Is, is we just started building relationships, man. We, we would be intentional about how we engage. We go to this dog park at the same time. We go walk around the block with our kids and we would you know, say hi to the neighbor at the trash can. We're just remembering their names. And one of our goals when we first moved here was to meet 100 people in 100 days. We just started writing their names down. We'd pray over them and look for opportunities to engage and just value them with no agenda, right? We, we didn't even have a church to invite them to, so it's not like we were doing that. And, and as we built conversations and, or, or relationships, we'd invite them into our home and, and we'd have dinner and over and over again, you know, eventually God would open doors and we'd have different conversations about their spiritual life or where they are and what's going on. And what I started to realize, what Danielle and I started to realize is that, man, like 
Most of my neighbors, they're probably never going to come to my church when it, when it does start, right? It didn't exist at the time. They're probably never going to come to my church. But then Danielle and I realized, like, that's okay, because the goal is not to get them to church, right? The, the goal is to get them to Jesus, right? Like, don't, don't miss the goal that, that most of my neighbors and most of your neighbors have a better chance of meeting Jesus at your kitchen table than they do at our church. And listen, it doesn't, exist, it doesn't mean that people can't meet Jesus at church, Right? It's just that, man, that, that's not the goal. And we'll use whatever it takes, as long as it takes to help people experience the love of God. And so we're talking about relational equity. I, wanna think, I want you to think about every relationship that you have as, as if it has a bank account. And, and part of the goal today is, I'll show you this on, on the map here, it's, it's, it's taking strangers, which is just anybody, anybody on that map that you couldn't fill it in. If you don't know their name, they're a stranger, okay? So the goal this week for you, your homework, is to take those strangers and then move, move them to acquaintances. Just, just fill in the map. And if you get all eight, awesome. Gold stars for you, way to go. If you just get one, that's, that's huge. Just move them from stranger to acquaintance. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to ask them to be your best friend. Just go learn their name and remember it. And then the next time you see them, say, hey, Sarah, it's good to see you. And watch how God can use that one moment and that one effort to start to change the relationship. And the long-term goal of this series, guys, is to take strangers to acquaintances and eventually move it to relationship. That, that, that we have a relational equity with our neighbors, that they know that we love and care for them. I want you to think about them like, like their bank accounts, okay? Like, right, you, you make deposits into a bank account and the balance goes up. I want you to think about every relationship that you have as a bank account. You start loving and serving and you just are making deposits into that relationship. And the idea is that you and I are investing so sacrificially, loving our neighbors like Jesus said, in the simple ways, in the big ways, whatever it takes. We're making these deposits. And when God gives us opportunity, we're not only showing the love of God, but eventually we can share the love of God. Here's the reality. Listen, the gospel is offensive, right? That whole, like, invitation to follow Jesus, it's offensive. The message is, hey, you're, you're a broken person. You're jacked up. You and I, we don't have all of our stuff together. We're separated from a relationship with God. Jesus died in our place to forgive us of sin. He was buried. He rose again to make us right with God. We can't do that on our own. We don't deserve it. We're not good people. We need a Savior. I mean, that's the message of Jesus. Right? It's not exactly like, like the most, you know, pride-induced. I mean, it's, it's a, an attack on our pride. And it's the best news ever. But it's also hard to swallow at times. And so I want you to think about it. When you have opportunity to share your faith, if you've built a relationship and you make a withdrawal, the relationship is still intact. And the, I, the idea is this, that you love those around you without agenda. Right? It's, it's not to get them to your church. It's not to, like, I'm not asking you to knock on doors and share Jesus with people. That's super weird. Don't do that. Right? Don't, be, don't knock doors and like, hand out little, little booklets or something. I that, that's weird, and, it, and it's not helpful. Okay, Love your neighbors because they're made in the image of God, and they're worthy of that love. That's where it starts. But don't confuse. Listen, when I love someone without agenda, what that means is I have no expectation from them in return. But it doesn't mean I don't have an expectation. Because I fully expect, and I want you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to fully expect this. That as I love, as I serve, as I give, that my neighbors are going to get to experience the love of God working in and through me. 
And I'm expecting that eventually God is going to open a door for dialogue and conversation that we're going to get to talk about those things. They're going to trust me and love me and see my faith in real time. And it's going to give me opportunity to share my faith as well because I love them. And I want to be able to share it with them. Remember, there's an expectation. Here's the job. You say, what's my job? What's my job as a, a follower of Jesus in this entire thing? This week, your homework is just to move people from stranger to acquaintance, okay? But the, but the real role for you as a follower of Jesus is to hear and obey. That's it. In the moment that you would cultivate a relationship with God that's so consistent and so life-giving that every moment of every day, you're able to hear Him and obey. Listen, I've had tons of neighbors at my kitchen table and there's been moments when the Holy Spirit said, hey, you need to share with them right now your story and about your relationship with me. And, and it might be uncomfortable, it might be challenging, but my job is to be obedient, not to be comfortable. So I do it. And God uses it. And there's other times we've had neighbors over in our home, friends over in our home, they're at our kitchen table, we're hanging out, and I'm ready to share, right? I'm, I'm ready to share my story or ask them the question. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do it. Not yet. Not yet. And I just got to trust that he knows them better than I do. Are you with me? And it's not that I'm shy or, or, or unaf- you know, I'm afraid. No, 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 no. I just want to be obedient to know that God is working on their heart. And he's going to open a door for me to be able to love and, and, and serve and then eventually share. Okay? That's my challenge for you this week. Listen, I, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, so get creative. You might not be able to have people over for dinner. That's cool. Take them cookies. Hang out outside a little bit. Go play in the snow, whatever you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Like, just, just be creative in how you love and serve and look for opportunities to get their name, to remember their name, to use their name and begin to love your neighbors and take Jesus literally. So here's the deal. The bottom shelf, I, we're just going to give you a tool this week. Uh, starting this Friday, actually, it is this Friday, it's not starting this Friday, but this Friday, we have a community night at the Rayback, and in the past, we've, we've opened it up, and this has been a big party you can invite your friends to, but because of COVID, we're not able to do that. And so, rather, we decided to piggyback on this series, and specifically today's conversation. So I'm not asking you to do this with a stranger, because that'd be weird. But anybody, man, if you can, in those eight spaces, if you have an acquaintance, or if it's not in, in where you live, then, you know, a neighbor, a coworker, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But find an acquaintance in your life that you want to build a, a deeper relationship with, and then invite them to come to the Rayback with you this Friday. City Church is opening up a tab. We're handing out these free drink tickets. If you're online and you don't get to get it in person, then, man, email us. We would love to get you these tickets. One, one ticket covers one beverage at the Rayback, and we're just saying, hey, hey, like invite one person to go with you. Go to the Rayback. You can get a table, just the two of you, or it can be up to four people at a table, but, but it's totally different. It's just one-on-one, and we have some tools and some questions of like just how to engage. Hey, tell me your story. Hey, tell me what you're excited about. Tell me what's going on in your life. Like, hey, what's, what's the challenge right now? And then, again, listen, listen. Your goal is to find one acquaintance Invite them to the Rayback. The tab will be open from like 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. So you can show up anytime. You schedule it with them. Set up the time. Go hang out. Build a relationship. And then your job is to hear and obey. So if God opens a door for you to say, hey, tell me about your spiritual journey, then do it. Because you love them. And if God says, not yet, then just invest in them and build the relationship and see where God takes it. Listen, we're in the long game here, guys. We're going to walk with people as long as it takes because God loves them, and, and they're worth it. So man, don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Remember the goal. The goal is, is not to get them to church or to see a conversation go a certain way in one moment. The goal is to get them to Jesus, whatever it takes, as long as it takes. 
And it starts with knowing their name. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're kind of tuning in, I hope you're inspired by, by the love conversation that we're having, but I want you to understand the motive. The reason all of this is happening, the reason we're talking, the reason we love our neighbors and we want to be intentional about it is because God loves us. The reason we want to know our neighbors' names is because God knows my name and God knows your name. The most incredible reality on the planet is that God knows our names and he wants to have a relationship with us and he sent Jesus to die for us, to forgive us of sin, to make us right with him through trusting in him. And listen, before, before you think it's about doing anything, it's just simply about receiving the love of God. And the overflow is everything else that we're talking about. And so if you've never had a moment, if you've never made the decision to trust in Jesus, to believe that he was who he said he was, that he did what he said he could do, that he could forgive you and make you right with God, then you can make that decision today. And we would celebrate with you the most amazing reality on the planet is that God loves you and knows and if we can come alongside you and empower you with any additional resources as we start this dialogue and this conversation, then shoot us an email. Let us know. We would love to help you along the journey. See you next week.